Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning as we uh, continue looking at the book of 1 Peter. And uh, before we look at that, I want to encourage you in a couple of things. This afternoon at 1 o'clock, we're having a picnic at JFK Park in East Helena. It's two to three blocks north of uh, Main Street in East Helena. It's where the uh, city swimming pool is there at East Helena. And uh, so we'd love to have you come. We're going to have lots of food. Uh, if you weren't planning on it, go ahead and plan, it on, plan on it. If you want to bring a side, you're welcome to. If you can't, we'll have plenty of food there. We're going to have chicken and rolls. And I know we have a bunch of people bringing desserts and side dishes. And we're going to have snow cones. So you got to be there with snow cones on a uh, rainy July, right? <laughs> so... I, I hope that you're there, and also right after the service, if uh, a few of you, after you stop at Brooks' table and find out more about her ministry at MSU for InterVarsity, uh, we have some stuff to load up, and we could, uh, we could use a few extra hands to do that. We would sure appreciate that after the service today. One other thing is, uh, not this week, but a week from this week, we are uh, doing some work on our stage uh, it's amazing the number of people that are watching online and to, uh, to help with that we're going to decorate it up a little differently with a little darker background and things so that it, it does better for the video and also I think it'll be a lot better for people in here too and uh, so we're, we try to do it all in a very short amount of time. And so we uh, have some people that are working with that, but if you would like to help with that during the week of the 18th, we would appreciate that. Please contact the church office and we'll get you connected up on uh, times and things that we're going to be doing during different times that week. And it would be very helpful to have a a good-sized crew uh, working on that. And we've been planning this for quite a while now. And I know a lot of people have put a lot of time into the prep for that, but uh, we can uh, we can work on that, and then uh, on the 24th it'll look a little different up front. So uh, you'll have to come that day to see what it looks like. It'll be a, it'll be a great change. So trusting that you'll uh, be able to help if you can that week. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing on His Word this morning, Father. As we come before you, may we be encouraged in Jesus Christ. May we recognize the hope that we have in you. Lord, as we look at a little bit of a different part, looking at church leadership this morning, I pray that you would help us to, to gain a better understanding. But Lord, that we as a church body would honor you in the way that we work, and uh, Lord, that you'd be glorified through the ministry of Hannaford Street. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You've heard the term, a good shepherd or the good shepherd. A picture of Jesus Christ, and we have a, a picture here that probably is sort of familiar there. Uh, you see pictures like that on people's walls and on plaques and things. The Good Shepherd, Psalm 23, you're familiar with that. If you've, you've been to a funeral or two, you've probably heard that passage read at least once. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he's the picture of Jesus as the shepherd We have to ask ourselves, why did he choose that picture for what Jesus would be? 
We see that that Jesus is the good shepherd and, and sheep need a shepherd. We need God. We have no hope without Jesus. Sheep without a shepherd tragedy will take place. And, and you can go through and you can read stories or, history or understanding of, of sheep. They need a shepherd on their own. They are hopeless and helpless. But Jesus has also called us to have the church. And the church is, has, has an organizational form that, that God lays out in the New Testament. And it includes elders or under-shepherds. And the responsibility that church leadership has to lead the church. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter is talking about this leadership. And, and he's been speaking to, to all the believers. Remember his original audience, if you've been over with us through the last 13 weeks, we've been looking in, in, in the background. Peter is writing originally to a group of churches in an area called Asia Minor, part of the Roman kingdom. And as he's there, he's, he's encouraging them. They're going to be facing suffering. And last week we uh, talked about that. And in the end of chapter 4, the suffering that they were going to be enduring, they were, but it was going to intensify. And we, we looked just a little bit at the story of Nero, who was the uh, ruler at the time, was the Caesar at the time. And uh, shortly after Peter wrote this book, Nero, the famous burning of Rome, and with that included the intensification of the persecution of Christians. And so Peter was encouraging these people and knew they needed to stand firm, as the title of our series indicates. They needed to, to be strong in the midst of adversity. And Satan is going to look at any way to destroy God's plan, and part of God's plan is the church. And so Satan is going to try to destroy that. And a church needs to be strong and have a solid teamwork and encouraging one another. And with that, strong leadership. And so Peter, as we begin chapter 5, is encouraging the leaders of those churches, but leaders of churches throughout history, the importance of, of what God calls and leaders to be and what he expects of leaders. Follow along as I read the first four verses of 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, the elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away." Now the central word in this passage is found in verse 2. It's the main verb of this paragraph. And it's the word shepherd. The idea of guiding or feeding and leading. And so Peter is going to now specifically speak to this group of elders, these church leaders in these churches there in Asia Minor and also through God's Word to each of us. These leaders in the church that were called upon to shepherd the flock. 
And Peter shares the characteristics that are to be found in a good shepherd. Now we are not the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, terms given to Christ, but under-shepherds called to serve as leaders within the church. And, and you may be here this morning and you may say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not an elder. I'm not going to ever be an elder in a church, so how does this affect me? Well, I think it affects all of us in two ways. Number one, as a church body, we're called to work together, and as we understand our roles and responsibilities and others' roles and responsibilities, it helps us work together as a team. And we're called to pray for our leaders. And as one of the leaders, I know that prayer is necessary and so beneficial to the ministry of praying for the leaders as we pray for one another. But there's a second part to the reasoning why this is important for all of us, and that is this. We are all called to, to encourage. You may be here this morning and you're a parent. You're to shepherd your children, to guide them as they grow, and to, to encourage them in a relationship with Christ. You have other people around you that you are to be an encouragement to, to be an example for. And so I think there are things in this passage, whether you are an elder or not, that are very beneficial and challenging for each one of us. And so let's look at these characteristics that, that Peter shares in these verses about what a good elder should look like, the characteristics of a good elder. We see in verse 1 that they're to have a strong relationship with Christ. Verse 1 says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I, also, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Now through these four verses, Peter shares three main titles that God gives to the church leaders. The elder, and the elder has the idea of and the emphasis of maturity. Mature in Christ. But then also we see that he uses the term overseer or bishop in verse 2. And that's the responsibility of watching over, overseeing the flock. And then shepherd, also found in verse 2 in its verb form, the idea of feeding and leading. And that's what these shepherds, these elders are to do. Now, Peter was an elder. He was a leader in the church. And so it's interesting in John chapter 21, we see that Peter was challenged by Jesus to be a good shepherd, to feed the sheep. In John 21, Jesus had died. He had risen again. He had met with the disciples, Peter being one of the disciples. And, and uh, you know, Jesus was going to be with them again. But, but Peter said, hey, let's go fishing. So they're all up in the Galilee region. And, and Peter, that was his occupation before he became a disciple of Christ. And so Peter and the other disciples went out fishing. They had a miserable night. Didn't catch anything. And so in the morning, they see someone on shore, and, and it's Jesus, but they don't know it. And Jesus calls out and says, hey, put your net on the other side. 
and they catch an amazing amount of fish, and, and Peter and some of the others recognize finally, hey, this is Jesus. And so Peter, being the person with acting without thinking, jumps out of the boat and swims to the shore, and, and Jesus has breakfast ready. And then he has a conversation with Peter. And notice the conversation in John 21, verses 15 through 17. It says this, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, or John, do you love me more than these? Now, one of the things, Peter knew when Jesus called him Simon, it wasn't good news. You remember that with your parents? And, and we talked about this earlier in the introduction. I, was, I told the story. When, when I, my middle name was added, when I was called, I was in trouble. Almost always when Jesus calls Peter Simon, He's done something he shouldn't have done or has not done something he should have done. So I'm sure when, when they're talking and, and Peter is listening and Jesus said, Simon, like, uh-oh, what did I do? So here's this conversation. Peter uh, or said, said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He, Peter, said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he, Simon Peter, said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He, Jesus, said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, or of John, do you, know, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I'm sure Peter was thinking, okay, he doubts me because he's asked the same question three times. And Peter could look back at that point to the very recent past when at the time when Jesus was arrested and put on trial that Peter denied he even knew him and as well as the other disciples, he fled. But the challenge to feed the sheep... And the challenge that Peter was given, do you love me more than these? There's a couple different ideas on what that could mean. One of them is that here Peter was out fishing. That was his occupation. That was his life before Jesus. And it sure could have been that Jesus was saying, so Peter, are you going to continue to put me first or are you just going to go back to your old life before Christ? But the responsibility that Peter had as a leader to feed the sheep, to shepherd the flock. But then he concludes verse 1 with, some, with three interesting points. He reminded them that he was a fellow elder. He was in the same situation as the elders he was encouraging. Have you ever talked to someone or they're talking to you and they're giving you advice, but you know that they've never been where you're at and, and they're telling you what you need to do? Maybe you're a parent and, and a non-parent comes up to you and says, well, you need to do this with your kids. And you're like, uh, excuse me? You may be right, but uh, you have no experience in this. Peter was trying to tell them, listen, I empathize and sympathize with you. I face some of the same struggles you face I have the same responsibilities that you have. 
We're in this together. But then he shares two other things. To, to Not just to say, hey, I understand and I'm in this with you, but, but I have some authority, some background to where the, the things that I have to share, obviously it's the inspiration of God being God's Word, but as he's writing this letter, listen, I've seen some things that can be helpful. And he says, so these two other things that he mentions here in the end of verse 1, he watched the suffering of Christ. He could remind them, listen, I was there and I saw Jesus Christ suffering. That suffering, the example that we're to follow, if we remember back to last week, that was a big part of that Suffering 101 message. The idea that, that Christ is our ultimate exam example of how to suffer properly. And so Peter could say, listen, I, I walked with Him for over three years and saw what was taking place. And then also, he was a partaker of Christ's glory. They were all going to be a partaker of Christ's glory. And, and the goal, and again, that was, that was part of last week's message, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but, but how do you do something that's difficult? You can do it a lot better if you see the goal, the reason you're doing it. If you're going to run in a marathon... We may need to check out some of your mental thought processes. But, uh, but if you're going to run in a marathon, that getting up early in the morning, changing your schedule, and doing those things that are hard in preparation, the only way that you'll do that is if you can look ahead to say, here's the goal. And I need to do this in order to meet that goal. And Peter could tell them, listen, the glory is going to be amazing. But there's going to be difficult times as you're serving, as you're working, as you're suffering and facing difficult circumstances. But it's worth it. But there's a second thing. Peter could also say, listen, I have seen a glimpse of that glory. If you remember the story as Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain and, and Elijah and Moses came down and it says that Jesus was transfigured. He was, his glory was revealed just a little bit. And Peter saw that. And he said, oh guys, <laughs> it's amazing. The glory of Christ and that's why we serve. To glorify Him and to celebrate His glory. And so Peter's laying this out saying, listen, I'm, I'm with you. I understand. I'm facing some of the same struggles you're facing. But it's worth it. The glory is worth it. And so we see in verses 2 and 3 the, the desire to serve. An elder is to have a desire to serve. It says in verses 2 and 3, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those who entrust, entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. Elders are to take care of the flock. Peter shared the responsibility to serve by, by sharing three contrasts here in these two verses. He first says, not by compulsion, but willingly. They're to, to serve willingly and eagerly, not grudgingly. And then not for dishonest gain, 
but eagerly. They're not to serve for what they can gain, whether it's financial gain or in power and authority, prestige. But instead, they're to serve eagerly in obedience to Christ and service to the flock that is placed under their care. And then the third contrast, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. They were to serve in humility by example. In, in the book of Mark chapter 10, there's uh, the story of James and John, two of the disciples, and they wanted to sit at, Peter, at Jesus' left and right hand, the, the positions of authority and prestige. Now, how did all the other disciples respond? They were angry. How dare Peter, James and John get those positions? I deserve the position. And so there was, I'm sure, some bickering and fighting going on amongst the disciples on who was the most important and who should have the best position. But notice Jesus' response in verses 42 through 45 of Mark 10. It says, But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Servant leadership. That's what God calls us to, whether it's in the family or in the church or whatever our position, we're to be a servant leader. And Jesus, as he shared there in Mark 10, listen, the servant of all is the one who is greatest. And then he shared his example in, in Mark 10. They didn't understand it yet, but how Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. A, a reminder of what would take place shortly thereafter when Jesus Christ would die on the cross for their sins. And our sins. The sins of the world. I had an opportunity a few times to go to a, 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 a Christian publishing company and, and uh, spend a few days there. And it was very interesting. Uh, just, they were sort of an out-of-the-box company. And, uh, but one of the things they did, you walk down one of the hallways... And they had a picture of all the employees. It wasn't that large of a company. They probably had 100 to 120 employees or whatever. And, and this whole big wall had pictures. But it was a little different. The heads of each of the divisions were on the bottom. And they basically made it an upside-down pyramid. And... Uh, so we were, we were given, and part of what we did is we were given a tour of the facilities, and, and the person that was leading on the tour that I was in was talking about, well, you know, God calls us to servant leadership. And the sign of a great division leader is that they help those people in their division succeed. And so a great leader must be a great servant. And God calls for us 
to be servants. In fact, next week we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 7, one of the most powerful passages speaking about humility. And humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And we're called to be servant leaders. And leaders in the church are called to be first and foremost servants. And so, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. They were to lead by example. It's not just do what I say, but follow what I do. Paul was famous for saying, follow me as I follow Christ. That's scary to say as a leader. Because we are imperfect leaders. We are sinful. And so... You want to say, well, yeah, okay, you probably don't want to do that like I did it because I really messed that up and I struggle in this area, so you may, but we're called to be a godly example. And while an elder is imperfect, they need to be that example that others can follow. Paul, speaking to a young pastor named Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, says this, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. But then we get to verse 4, and we see the purpose of why leaders lead the way that God calls them to lead. The goal. The goal is to please Christ. Verse 4 says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. A great parallel passage is in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, speaking about slaves or servants, but a great picture for, for people in leadership positions. It says this in Ephesians 6, 5-8, through 8, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of hearts. Now notice this, as to Christ. Whatever our position, whatever, our do, whatever we do, our goal is to honor Christ. Verse 6 goes on, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Verse 7, with goodwill doing services to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. We see the importance of serving. And elders in a church setting are called to be the chief servants. Now, as a church, we strive to follow the New Testament pattern. If you're a visitor here this morning, I, I pray and trust that you'll be encouraged. And, um, but for people of Hannaford, we, we, we strive as best we can to follow the New Testament guide for what a church should look like. And our church has elders and deacons. We believe that it's men who are called to those positions. And the elder, if, if you look at what we believe is the general job description of an elder is spiritual oversight. Spiritual oversight of the church. We have deacons. And that deacons began in Acts chapter 6 when the apostles, and, and that was at the time when they had apostles right after uh, Christ's death and resurrection. 
But uh, the church leaders were overwhelmed because the church was just growing exponentially. And they were trying to do all these things, and so they recognized they needed more men to come alongside and to help in some of the areas. And so in Acts chapter 6, we see the introduction of deacons. And the deacons were, were focused on meeting the needs of the people physical needs, benevolent type needs that those had, taking care of those in the church that could not take care of themselves, the widows, etc. And so we see that, that both of them in 1 Timothy and Titus, there's qualifications for deacons and elders. And, and so our elders, the job description is spiritual oversight of the church. The deacons, are their job description is facilities, finances, and benevolence. Taking care of many of the physical things, but they all need to be godly men. Imperfect, but godly men with a growing relationship with Christ. In our elder board, we have seven elders at this time. Uh, two of us are on the pastoral staff, and then five others. And we take our responsibility very seriously. And as imperfect under-shepherds, we need your prayer. And so as Peter was sharing these verses, he was recognizing that Satan desires to destroy the church. And one of the ways to destroy the church is to create fighting and and bickering and focus on things that the church isn't to focus on. And I want to encourage each one of us as sheep, as people of the church. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. We are a team. Each one has responsibilities. Each one has gifts that they're given to fulfill the mission that God has given to the church. And God has given to this specific body of believers here at Hannaford Street. As well as he has given to other Bible teaching churches in Helena and around the world. We have these responsibilities. And we have the requirement of encouraging each other, reaching our community and our world for Christ. And one of the most important things that we can all do is to pray for each other. We're to pray for one another. And I want to challenge you to pray for your church leadership. We need it. As we pray for one another. And our church leadership, one of the things that we have done is uh, we've, we've tried and we try to update it about every year and it, it changes and God is blessed with more people coming in and God's so good in that. But we have listed out the families of the church and we pray for you. And it's... One of the neatest parts of my day, we, we rotate through a 28-day prayer cycle praying through the people of the church. We're to pray for one another. That's what we're called to do. 
And you need to pray for your leadership. And so at this time, I'd like our elders that are here in this service. We did the same thing with the elders that were here in first service, but the elders that are here in second service, if you would come forward, and I've asked Josh to come and to pray for us. The elders that we have are Jezer, and uh, most of you know Jezer. He's our associate pastor. And then also uh, John Bushnell, Shane Shaw, Clay Burkett, who is... uh, was in first service and actually he's part of security this service so he's out making sure we're secure and uh, Randy Chambers and Reef Balsam who aren't in this service but we'd like you to stand with us because we are a team we work together and I've asked Josh to come and to pray for us as we close out this portion of the service Father God we are humble before you knowing that uh, you are the overseer of our souls, that you love us, God, and you have put us in families like this, one here at Hannaford, and we're so grateful, Father, for uh, the leadership that we have. I know personally, God, it's just a a blessing to serve with such a a godly group of men, God, a group of men that prays for and looks after us, and I'm thankful for each one of these guys, Father. I pray for uh, their families, for the struggles that they have, God. Um, I ask that you would give them strength. I ask you to give them wisdom and um, the heart to continue on uh, serving in these positions as long as you call them to do that, God. And I pray that we as a church will rise up and um, just be the wind beneath their wings, God, as uh, they have been given a a great task, Lord. And um, we know that these times are evil, God, and there's so much um, that Satan is trying to do in this world, God, and and it's difficult anyway to to live yourself and your own life, God, but to be uh, the leader, to be called to do this in this capacity, Father. It's just a great burden, and we just pray for them, God, and ask that you will go before them in all that they do. uh, Give them success, God. I pray that uh, you'll continue to grow Hannaford as a church body and and our influence in this city and all over the world, God. And uh, we're just so grateful again for what Jesus did for us, for without him, we know we would have nothing so, and, and God, we give these guys to you and pray that you will protect them, watch over them as they watch over us. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say, Amen. Amen.